Hey lady, it's Dr. Dom here. If you like this show and you want to make your own, let me tell you about the free platform Anchor. It's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. You can add songs from Spotify and create any type of content that you are looking for. Anchor will distribute it all for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. On this week's episode in Her Space. If a person is able to come up with their five non-negotiables, five character traits that are a must, and they use those fives to vet people as they go through the talking process before we're even officially dating, then that will answer the question as to whether or not they're settling. But if you have your five and then you start dating and then you say, oh, he doesn't have number one and number three, but I'll give him a chance, you're settling. He doesn't have number five and number two, but you still give him a chance, you're settling. Once the person seems to have, and again, there are some people who are extremely manipulative, there are some people who are liars, but you're asking the questions. If they seem to have those five, then you know it's not a settle, it's a match. Today's episode is sure to provide you with motivation, inspiration, or even a fresh perspective. If you have any aha moments or if you feel comforted throughout the episode, lady, please leave us a review and tell us what we're doing right so we can stay on track. Also, we release episodes every Friday, so be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit herspacepodcast.com and enter your email address to get updates about our live events and all the new beginnings that we have for this year. Welcome to Her Space, a podcast dedicated to uplifting women like you. We're your hosts, Dr. Dominique Broussard, a college professor and psychologist, and Terry Lomax, a techie and motivational speaker. In a world where Black women are often misrepresented and misunderstood, please join us as we initiate authentic conversations on everything from fibroids to fake friends and create a safe space where Black women can just be. Hey lady, it's Dr. Dom here from the Her Space Podcast. Do you have a burning question you're dying to get feedback on? Do you want an unbiased perspective on a situation you're facing? If so, visit herspacepodcast.com and click Ask Dr. Dom under the Start Here option. Every Tuesday, I'll choose a few questions and answer them at random. All right, lady, we are so excited. We have a very special guest that I think many of you will be really appreciative for. Okay, so we're just going to jump right on in. Mrs. Allison Wellington from Align with Allison is a dating and relationship coach. Most recently, due to her own love story, Allison has decided to dedicate our talents to work directly with women over 35 who are looking for guidance and finding the partner they deserve. Allison has been counseling clients for more than 10 years and has a bachelor's degree in education and a master's degree in both guidance and counseling and Extension Mental Health Counseling. So let's dive into this juicy conversation. Allison, welcome to Her Space. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me, ladies. We are so excited to have you here and dive into the conversation. And so our quote of the day will probably sound really familiar to you. Stop shrinking yourself to fit in within places you have outgrown. Yes, ma'am. That sounds like me. (laughs) That is you, Allison. So tell us what inspired that quote? 
Yeah. So actually, it's not necessarily related to my relationship and dating advice and guidance. That's actually more related to just generally speaking in regards to your your familiar relationships or your your relationships with your friends. And what I found is that a lot of us are holding on to friendships because that's the person you went to school with, grade school, because that's the person from the block. And we are either unable or unwilling to admit the fact that this person is no longer a good fit. Like they are not feeding into you. They are not helping you grow and develop. And as a matter of fact, they may be belittling you or keeping you down in some sort of way. So that quote is actually inspired to do more with platonic relationships, even though I am a romantic relationship coach. But it just came to me. It wasn't anything that came out of my personal experience, but I just found that a lot of people are holding on to dead weight. You better preach. Wow. (laughs) Yes, Yes. exactly. That's so deep. So we've had a previous episode where we've talked about like toxic platonic friendships and different levels of friendship. But today we want to really focus in on the romantic relationships. Mm -hmm. And so... What motivated you? Because I see that you have degrees in counseling. So like being a mental health professional, being a therapist, what motivated you to specifically focus on being a relationship coach? Yes. So as mentioned before, I've been counseling for over 10 years, but it was my own struggles in regards to romance that led me on this path to working pretty exclusively with women who are over 35. And in essence, I was dating a gentleman who he and I, from the beginning, were just not compatible. That's in all honesty. Why I decided to continue with this relationship is beyond me. However, we were dating, we were together, we were committed as far as I know. And however, as we continued our relationship throughout the years, and I had an expectation of marriage and children and buying a house and having a savings account and the the, the steps that you would normally take towards that level of commitment, he was either, again, unable or unwilling to match me and to be on the same page of where I was. What I like to tell people is that perhaps he had the foresight, right? Because we're not going to demonize folks and say that they are evil, terrible human beings who didn't want to love us the way, right? So maybe he had the foresight. Maybe this was God's hand that knew that if we would have found ourselves married, it wouldn't have worked out. But nonetheless, we were not compatible. And I realized that we were not on the same page in regards to where we wanted to be at that particular point in our lives. And so I had to make what was actually an easy decision. I chose me. And I ended the relationship as soon as I came to the point where I realized that this is not going in the direction that I like. But I noticed that a lot of people don't have that ease, right? Like it's not easy for a lot of people to, at the end of the day, realize that it really needs to end. Like this relationship is not working out in their best interests. So I thought, why not use my talents and work with women that are in a similar age bracket as me? working with women who have probably by their 30s and early 40s established themselves in their careers. And honestly, if they're looking to have children, time is of the essence and they really are willing to put in the work. I realized that that probably would be the best population for me to work with so that I can help them find the partner that they deserve. That is such a great perspective to have when you're like, 
we're not going to demonize the person because you may have come to the relationship and both wanting two different things. But the thing I want to lean into just for a little bit is like, how did you know you weren't compatible? Because I think all of us here, right, lady, as you listen, as you on the couch or as you're cooking dinner, wherever, I think many of us can think back to relationships that we got into that we were like, I know damn well we were not compatible, but I stayed for whatever reasons. Like, how did you know you weren't compatible? And then I'll just pause there. I'm not going to ask you a billion and one questions like I want to, but yes. How did you know you weren't compatible? What were the signs? Well, I can tell you like the most telltale sign, which is kind of silly, but I'll tell you nonetheless. So I come from a Caribbean background and a part of Caribbean culture is carnival. I don't know if you guys are familiar. You've seen Trinidad or Jamaica or, you know, uh, Grenada, where Mm -hmm. there's a, a time where there's a celebration and it's usually in the streets. And the women are dressed in carnival costumes. Now, if you are outside of the culture or generally don't have an appreciation for the culture, you would say that those women are dressed half naked and gyrating, right? And, And add some judgment on that. Where someone who is inside of the culture will have an appreciation for it. So the fact that I come from a Caribbean background and this gentleman was an American, and on top of the fact that he was an American, did not have an appreciation for carnival and mass and what it meant. When I went to Trinidad with my friends, I think it was 2015. And then I also went to Carabana, which is in Canada, 2016. And I'm dressed appropriately for the event. That was like the biggest blow up is the end of the world. And I'm this kind of person and I'm so terrible and I'm looking for, you know, whatever might happen to me. I might deserve it because this is the way that I'm dressed. I'm like, hey, this is not an appropriate match. I'm not trying to interrupt the show, but I had this random idea I want to share with you and I don't want to forget it. Tell me, tell me, what is it? Okay. So you know how at the start of every new year, birthday, new moon, anniversary, new month, new anything, people find themselves wanting to have a reset, but they're not sure where to start. Mm -hmm, I sure do. What are you thinking? What if we hosted a workshop where we could interact with our listeners to talk about stuff like self-care and self-love? OMG. And we could even have a session about manifestation, leaving toxic relationships and becoming our best selves. Girl, I am so excited. I'm sold. We could call it the Vibrate Higher Empowerment Workshop. Yes. Yes. That is it. And, and, and we could even host a live quarterly wind down to check in and build community as we vibrate higher all year. Yo, I love it. I love it. I'm so let's do it. Lady, if this sounds like fun to you, visit newyearworkshop.com and join us for the vibrate higher empowerment workshop. If you want to release baggage, set intentions and manifest the life you desire, this is just for you, lady. That's newyearworkshop.com. We We can't can't wait wait to to connect connect with you. (laughs) This is problematic for me on top of lots of other things, but that's like the real standout. So in my mind at the time, I said, you know, the next guy that I date, he has to be Caribbean. Like I am not dealing with this judgment and so on and so forth. But ironically, when I began to date again, after I decided that the relationship wasn't a good match, I dated an American guy and I asked him, well, what are your thoughts about Caribbean culture and this particular element? And he said, oh, I think the costumes are beautiful and I love all the feathers and I love the gems and I think it's just amazing. Ha. 
<laughs> there you go. There you right? go. So, so you can find someone who doesn't even have to be this of the same culture who can appreciate the things that you appreciate. Exactly. Yes. I love that. I love that. And I love that the lesson that you took away out of, I'm sure, multiple lessons, but the lesson that you took away was to turn it inward and focus on, okay, well, what am I not getting in this relationship that Mm -hmm. I know now I need to have in a future relationship? Absolutely. And when I work with my clients, that's literally the first thing we do. Like in our first session together, we start my self-reflection process. So we need to have a conversation about what went right and what went wrong in your former relationships and how you were a part of that process. Because again, even if you were dating a devil, right? Even if you were dating a sociopath, there was something, Mm. there was some inclination, there was some red flag, there was something that you ignored. And I don't want to victim blame, right? Because there are some women who are legitimately a victim of their ex. But at the same time, how are we going to be able to move forward to be sure that we don't make the same mistakes over and over again if we don't self-reflect and say to ourselves, I ignored this, I ignored that, I like this, I don't like that, so that I can put a, put a better picture together of, as to how to move forward. What is the most challenging part of that process? Like when you're meeting with a client, where do you find that, ooh, the ladies, they'd be struggling at this point, like part of that reflection process? What's the most challenging part? Blaming, still blaming. So it'll be something like this. Well, I went wrong because I emasculated him, but I emasculated him because, you know, he didn't have a job. And so that's why I treated him like he did. So there's always like people don't like to take full responsibility. They'll tell you, they'll admit where they went wrong, but then they still want to legitimize why they did what they did versus mm-hmm. saying this, this was my behavior. My behavior was inappropriate. And so this is how, or Allison, how can you help me to change that behavior? I could imagine that that is a pretty vulnerable space to be in, right? To take full accountability and responsibility for your role in what transpired in the relationship. And so when women are coming to you and that's the space where they're struggling, how do you get them to sit with that, to get into that space, because that vulnerability, you know, that's easy to want to avoid. I think in all honesty, when you're working with a client, especially one who's paying out of pocket, I like to gently remind them that we're here to do the work to help you get to this goal. You're paying me to help you get to this goal. And so by coming up with excuses is not helping you get to your end goal. And again, Working with my age group, 35 plus, a lot of these women either don't have any children or they want to have another child with a committed mate. So uh, we don't have time for the excuses. We don't have time for the BS. So let's keep moving because literally biology is not on your side. We're working together on an eight week span or a 12 week span to get you prepared for love again. And so we don't have time to BS each other. And (laughs) usually when I come, I know it's a bit aggressive, but Seriously, like time is of the essence. And so when I when I remind them of that, like you're you've hired me to assist you. This is our process. And so this is the direction that we have to go in. Or maybe perhaps you and I are not a good fit. But I I cannot allow the BS because we are just on a time constraint. So the woman has to really be ready. 
really be ready. And, <laughs> and so when I promote myself or when I do my free webinars, I like to think that I put across an energy of, I'm not here to play with you. Like I'm not mm-hmm. playing, I'm not playing so yes. that those who are prepared to put in the work are like, I like her and this is a good fit for me. And then those who aren't ready say, mm, she's too aggressive and that's okay. I think it's super important that potential clients are vetting who their mental health professional is to make sure that it's an appropriate match for them. Because even though I claim to have the remedy, I might not be in terms of personality and in terms of approach a good fit. So we have to be mindful of that as well. Every client is not an appropriate client to the mental health professional. That is so incredible that you say that too, because it sounds like you are well aware and also very comfortable with the fact that you're not for everybody. And I think we all need to kind of get that in our spirit with whatever venue you're in in life. It's like, you're not going to be for everybody and that's okay. So you know who your target market is. And I saw on your website, you were like, I'm a straight talker. Like we're going to do this work. Like I'm not here to play. And I love that. So when you think about the clients that you work with, right? Women that are over 35 that are trying to manifest this relationship that they deserve. What would you say are like some of the common themes that you notice? So just like things that you recognize or things that come up, because I know one thing that many of us hear is like, Oh, black women. And you can also probably speak to this better, better than I can, Allison. But, oh, black women, you know, the older we get, we're like not wanted apparently. And like, oh, we got to go outside our race or we got to do this in order to get a relationship. In addition to that, like, what are some of the things that you personally hear being in the field and doing that work? What I hear a lot, and a lot of it is BS I don't have time to date. I don't have time. When we all know that we find time for the things that we are most passionate about. So I like to reframe that around. I am afraid to invest the time because I'm, I don't think I'll get the results that I want, especially again, women who are over 35 are relatively solid in their career path in their finances, their credit, so on and so forth. So they're accustomed to working hard and getting a result. They work hard within four years, they get the degree. They work hard, they get the promotion within a year. Like there is a tangible end goal and they're accustomed to getting to that goal. But when it comes to romance, it's not the same like getting a promotion or getting another degree, right? Underneath your belt. And so when they say that I don't have time to date, it's I'm afraid to invest the time because I am not confident I'm going to get a solid result. I think that's important though, to identify that, right? And Because to go back to what you were previously saying about whether or not someone may be a good fit for you, I think identifying that for themselves is important in not just that encounter with you, but then also just that's a good first step in thinking about how they approach relationships in general. And so when you think about the women that come to see you and the things that they really are, looking for and going back to what Terry was asking about some of those themes. So a lot of them are over 35 and wanting to have that healthy relationship. But what are some of the other personality traits maybe that come up? I think in regards to personality traits, I would say that some of my clients are motherly. I don't know if that's a good personality trait in in regards to answering the question, but I find that a lot of them are thinking about what the mate has in terms of potential and how they can build, they can build the man that they want. And in most cases with heterosexual relationships, so that's why I say man, but 
So this guy, he likes me and he's attractive enough, but he doesn't have a job. He's half homeless. He, you know what I mean? Like he's just a mess, but I can build this and I can fix this because he has the potential. So I find that one of the problematic traits is that this, this idea that is their responsibility to care for and to groom and to build up this mate so that he is an appropriate match versus putting in the time and effort to one, come to the realization of what is a perfect match for you. And then two, putting in the effort to find that match. So many questions, Allison. Okay. What if there is a woman listening right now and she's like, oh, that's me. Like I try to fix the people that I'm with. What do you do at that point once you've come to the realization that I am trying to be a fixer and I'm not necessarily finding people that are on my playing field? I'm kind of settling, right? Like, what do you do once you realize that that's you? So what I would advise and what I advise all my clients is that they come up with a list of five non-negotiables. Those are five traits that their mate must have before they can even, or potential mate must have before they can even continue a relationship. And so once you have the list of the five non-negotiables, if the person meets those five, then you may continue through the process. If they don't meet those five, you literally will not continue. So what do I mean? You're on a dating app, let's say, and you have your five non-negotiables. Of course, all five may not be answered within the profile, right? So you have to engage in some kind of conversation. You start DMing each other and then you continue to text messages and then you continue to phone calls. And as you continue that level of communication as that increases, you're asking poignant questions to get to, does the person seem to have my five qualifications? So for me, one of my qualifications was hardworking. Like the person has to be a hard work. I work hard. You got to work hard. Like I'm not taking care of anybody. You are not my son. Right. And so I'm asking, where do you work? And what is your work? Do you enjoy your work? Have you had any thoughts about changing careers? What would that entail? How many hours do you put in? I wouldn't ask necessarily about salary. I'd Google that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm, <laughs> you I'm, I'm finding out like, you know, when you were in college, did you when did you start working? When you were in college, did you have to balance both? How was that? Did you ever work two jobs in order to meet a goal? You want, you know, you want to pay off your car. So you took on. So I'm asking questions around trying to figure out whether or not he's hardworking. If he says to me, I work a part-time job because I live downstairs from my mom and she doesn't really press me for rent. It was a pleasure speaking to you, sir. <laughs> Have a nice day. <laughs> right? I hope you find the right person. And that ain't me. <laughs> and that ain't me. So again, if a person is able to come up with their five non-negotiables, five character traits that are a must... And they use those fives to vet people as they go through the talking process before we're even officially dating, then that will answer the question as to whether or not they're settling. But if you have your five and then you start dating and then you say, oh, he doesn't have number one and number three, but I'll give him a chance, you're settling. He doesn't have number five and number two, but you still give him a chance, you're settling. Once the person seems to have, and again, there are some people who are extremely manipulative. There are some people who are liars, but you're asking the questions. If they seem to have those five, then you know it's not a settle. It's a match. Ooh, okay. I'm with you on the figuring out the non-negotiables, right? I've talked to clients myself about that, about like identifying your non-negotiables. Now, let's say that they meet all of those non-negotiables. Then what? Where do we go from here? Mm -hmm. So then now that's when the dating process starts, right? So we go from the dating app to the DMs, to the text messages, to phone calls. We have to get on the phone, ladies. Do not allow him to text your life away 
And that's for two reasons. One, because we have to be sure that they live where they say they live. They live with who they say they live with. Right. So if you can't get on the phone with me ever, why is that? Is that because there's a baby crying in the background? You never told me about a baby. Maybe if there's somebody who's Mm -hmm. calling your name, who sounds like a grandma, but you told me you live alone. Like I just, so we need to be on the phone. And then in terms of practicality, how are we going to get to know each other via text? Like how many text messages are you going to send? A phone call just makes it easier. From the phone call, then we go to the FaceTime. From the FaceTime, then we start dating. So again, and you're still going through that vetting process of does he meet the five non-negotiables? And then once he does, or seemingly does, then we move on to the negotiables, the bonuses. Can he cook? If that's a bonus. For some people, it's a non-negotiable. I'm not judging. But you know, does he cook? Or is he fit? Or does he have a beard? Or whatever your negotiables are, that's the next step. So you start to vet and verify if they have some of those things that would be a nice bonus, but are not a deal breaker. Nice. That makes perfect sense. Oh, this is so good. So juicy. Okay. Let's see. What else? One thing you talk about sometimes is like leaving a relationship. And so what are the common mistakes that you realize women make when trying to move on from that relationship? So whether it's like that toxic ex or that ex that keeps on coming back or yeah, or maybe you, you keep calling because you're like, I'm lonely. We still, you know, we in the pandemic, I'll, right? Yeah, I need the D, like whatever it might be. Like, what is? What do you recommend? <laughs> I have written a book, a book about it called "Move On, Sis." Okay, and we need to learn when to cut ties and move on. So, in the book, it's a five-step process, and it really details what women need to do. But before I even get into those steps. What really matters, what really matters is that you've made a decision to move on. And I know that, oh, that sounds so easy, Allison, just make a decision. But yes, you literally, you make a choice. You have a choice in the matter. You have a choice in every matter, right? We chose where we went to school. We chose what degree we were going to go after. We chose our career. We choose our friends. We choose our hair. You choose your man. You choose your woman, right? So you have to make a choice to say, I am moving on from this because this is not a good match or this is abusive or this is not fulfilling, whatever it may be. Like zero zing zing. Like, you know, when you're about to jump in a double dutch, like that's like the step before the step. All right. So in regards to what do you do? First, you have to accept the fact that it's over. It's over. It's either over because you said the words, because he or she said the words, or because one of you have done the actions of a person who is no longer together. They're sleeping with somebody else. They've moved out. They haven't spoken to you for weeks. They've ghosted you. It's over. So accepting that fact. Step two is not allowing them back in. If you've said to me it's over, if I've said to you or you've shown me it's over, I'm not a revolving door. You're not going to treat me like a doormat. That's, that's just not an option. So we're all adults here. We're not in our teens anymore. If someone says this relationship is not working, I think it's best we move on. That is the end of the road, period. So we're not doubling back. Next, we need to get rid of their things. And we need to get rid of their things in a way of not looking for closure. I am not a proponent of closure because, and I know most mental health professionals probably wouldn't agree, But the reason why I'm not a fan of closure, I don't believe in it, is because most people aren't doing it for the right reasons. They're doing this quote unquote closure because they want to get one more opportunity to get back together, one more opportunity Mm -hmm. to sleep with each other, one more Mm -hmm. opportunity to, to argue it out, whatever it is. So most of the time when people claim they need closure is because they really just want to hold on to the remnants of that relationship. And so I don't believe in it. Get rid of their stuff. You're going to pack it up. You know what time they get home because y'all been together. 
He gets home 4.30. At 4.20, you're leaving it on the porch or in front of the door so nobody steals his stuff. And then you send a text message, good day, sir. I have packed your items. They are in front of your door. Period. Get, get those items out of your house. If he's purchased or she's purchased items for you, get rid of them. Sell them, burn them, melt it down and make something new. I don't know. I don't care. If there's any item that's around you in your space that makes you unhappy, that, that dredges up uh, negative emotions, you got to get it out of your space. Number four, get off of their social media. Get off. Get off, get off. And the reason why I highly recommend getting off of folks, social media is the same thing in regards to like closure. How are you going to be able to move on if you don't give yourself the space to do so? So you're stalking his page. You're watching where he or she is going. You're looking and you're saying, oh, he's having fun with his friends. How could he be having fun with his friends? And I'm here and I'm sad. Or he's posting sad memes. Like you ain't really sad. Cause if you was really sad, you would have worked it out with me. He can't do anything right. There's no win in this. If he's posting the new girl, now you're heartbroken. How is he able to move on so quickly? He must've been sleeping with her from the beginning. Right. And then now you're judging it. Oh, she's prettier than me. Or she has a nicer figure or she makes more money or the opposite. Oh, she, she don't even look as good as I do. And how are you going to mess? There's no good that comes from chasing after someone's social media. No good. Mute them, block them, do whatever you have to do, but stay far away. And the last step is to take care of yourself. So now that this relationship is over, you may feel like there's a part of you that's missing. So now we have to fill ourselves back up. And I would advise women to do it. There's a litany of ways, right? If that means that you want to start working out and you want to to distract yourself from the pain a bit by getting healthy. If you want to go back to school and finish a degree, if you want to throw yourself into your work, hug your friends, you want to buy a dog. I don't care what you do, whatever you do that can be considered healthy, but a, a healthy distraction, you do that. You take care of yourself. You get pampered. You go to the spa. You go out with your girls. I even have a drunken night once you guys are safe. Whatever it takes, but start taking care of you and filling yourself back up. Those are the steps. Beautiful. Yes. Those are amazing steps. And I will say with the closure piece for me, when I think about closure, I agree with you that a lot of times people are seeking closure because they want to have that extra opportunity to see if I still got it or see if there's still one last hope, right? One more chance. I think closure in terms of doing the work on yourself Mm -hmm. is important. And so I think if someone is defining closure as maybe I am journaling about the experience of this relationship, or maybe I'm going to the beach to, or praying or meditating to release the energy from this person. I think if that's the focus of the closure, I think that that's important because it goes to what you were saying about like that t- taking care of self. Mm-hmm. I absolutely like, and you're right. And I absolutely like that too. I, especially when you were speaking, I thought about the journaling and then burning the journal, Ooh. get it out of here, get it out. That's the closure. That's how we're literally going to close the book on this chapter. Literally. literally. Yes. So good. So good. So Allison, is there anything that people typically don't ask you about or things that don't come up that are just in your mind as a relationship coach where you're like, I wish people would ask about this or something that you're just really passionate about in this topic that you will want to share with us before we change up the energy of our interview. 
Well, sometimes I get asked, but not enough. Yeah. People ask me, why do I exclusively work with women? Like, hey, what's wrong with the guys? If there's like a guy mm-hmm. who happens to jump on like a, to a live stream or something like that. <laughs> Look at Dom's face. Yes. Tell us, Alison, why. <laughs> and ironically, when I decided to get into romantic relationship coaching and dating, I did want to work with men. I thought that my approach, my kind of like self-described aggressive approach might be a better match for men than it would be for women. However, I looked out and I thought to myself, when have I known men to listen to women? How many times have we felt like we, we told our partner, oh, let's say like, you know, babe, you should start working out. Babe, you should start working out. Babe, you should start working out. Then one of his boys comes, yo, bro, let's go to the gym. We out. Like, yo, I told you mad times. Let's go to the gym. And you didn't, you know, that's just like a, a, but nonetheless, we're nagging when we tell them to do things. But when their boys tell them to do things, it's like, it's the first time they ever heard it in their entire life. And good men, not so good men. I just don't think generally speaking, when you, when a man hears a woman's voice, it goes one in, in one ear and out the other. So initially I really wanted to work with men because I thought that I was a better match. Like I thought that maybe I'm a little bit too abrasive and women may not like that approach. And so I'd be a better match for men. But I thought, I don't think they're going to listen to me. Right? They're, and, and or I don't think that they're either going to even going to seek professional help. So let me just roll with what I know <laughs> and let me talk to women because I know their life. I know their experience. I know what it feels like to like physically feel pressure to have children. Like there's like a biological, there's a chemical. I'm not a doctor. There's something that happens around 27, 28, 29 that no man can speak to. And what I've noticed, especially in the black community, is that a lot of the relationship coaches are men, black men. And so I'm sure that the reason why they have their popularity, one, many of them are attractive, but I'm sure that they have their popularity because women say, oh, I'm going to listen to him because he knows men. So obviously he's going to be the best person to advise me on how men think and how men act and I can move accordingly. And I get that. I think there's value in that. But what I'd like to say is that I would want to hear more from black women coaches because we literally have gone through your experience and no man can say that they have gone through it. They may understand men because they're a man. But they have not experienced what we've experienced and they can't speak to that. Exactly. That's beautiful. I'm with it. And so speaking of your experience and what you've been through. So earlier you shared a little bit about what got you into coaching because of the negative relationships that you've experienced. But I think our listeners want to hear about the positive, right? So what was your success on the personal level? So as I mentioned before, I was dating the gentleman who did not have an appreciation for some elements of my culture, amongst other things. And then once I ended that relationship, I began to date a quote unquote American guy and spoke to him about elements of my culture. He's like, oh, I love it. And as we continue to date and get to know each other, I realized that we were legitimately compatible, like compat. I think people forget about the value of compatibility. And when they go down their laundry list or they go down their five non-negotiables, they forget compatibility. And that's just something I really stress because if you are not compatible with your mate, it doesn't matter what he does. He's loving. He, he wants a big family. He makes all this money. But if your personalities aren't a good mesh, it just won't work. 
And so as I began to date him and get to know him, and I realized that we just get along so well, that we are compatible. We are just in terms of personality, just an excellent match on top of him having the other non-negotiables. And so I literally went through the process that I now teach, which is self-reflection. Where did I go wrong? And where I went wrong was not dating someone I was compatible with, right? Stepping up, which is I need to work on me to become the best version of me so that this amazing mate that I found even wants me. Because that's one of the problems, right? Especially with women. We have this laundry list of what we want from men. And if we were even able to find them, would they want us as we are? We have to make sure that we're the best version of ourselves. So self-reflection, step up, and then sitting back. So the sit back is when we release our guards, we open ourselves up for love again. And so that's the process I went through. And then the same guy that I spoke about two years later, because we're on the same page, we believe in marriage, we believe in family, are now married. So congratulations. Thank you. (laughs) And and, and a wedding during COVID, which could be another episode for another day. Wow. And y'all got to go check out Allison's Instagram because one, Allison's fly as hell. And your yes. swag, you are from obviously from New York, the accent and mad. I'm like, yes, from New York. The swag. <laughs> and then your wedding, I was like, you know, the wedding picture's beautiful. So you definitely go check out Allison's work for sure. But Allison, we want to shift up things a little bit. We want to shift up the energy of our interview. And because we recognize, appreciate and celebrate the multifaceted woman, and we believe that it's okay to be classy and ratchet, you can be elegant and stale dance to strip club music. We want to invite you to the OU Clatchet segment. So, Allison, do you take on the challenge? Yes, absolutely. Can't you tell? Yes. yes. I knew it. I knew it. I was going to be ready. She's going to be ready. Go ahead, Dom. I'll let you kick it off, girl. Okay. So, Allison, we're going to, you know, we're going to ease you into it, even though we know you're ready. We're going to ease you into it. What topic can you talk about all day? I can talk about... 90s and early 2000s hip hop. Big Biggie fan. Biggie's everything from Brooklyn. You said New York, but just so you know, New Yorkers don't like that. There you go, girl. Tell me. Come on. Brooklyn. I'm from Brooklyn. BK. Okay. It's all about Biggie. It's all about Jay. It's all about Nas. Like, I'm a big hip hop fan. So I can talk all day long about who's the best MC, Biggie, Jay Z, or Nas. I can talk all about that all day long. I love it. I love it. That's right. You are so right about that. Because I feel like certain people from like Philly, you know, when you're from the outskirts and people are like, oh, I'm from this city. And people are like, eh, not really. So I'm, I'm totally, I got you, girl. I got you. She's from Brooklyn, y'all. All right. So here's our next question for you, Allison. All right. And I think I know the answer, but I'm going to ask anyway. Are you going to twerk or two-step? What you doing? See, my twerk game is not all that. Because I'm a homebody, so I don't really go out enough to be in the clubs to work yes. on my twerk. Mm-hmm. So how about this? I'm Caribbean, so can I do a wine? Yes. yes. All right, so that's what I'll do. So okay. choice, choice C, choice C. We're going yes. to have to add wine to the options over there, Don. Yes. Okay. Yes. I love it. <laughs> All right. And so then which song would get you to the dance floor? That's a hard one. That's a hard one. Because like I said, I'm such a homebody. I'm kind of corny, so I don't really go out too much. So I w- I'm going to go with Juvenile, Back That Ass Up. Ah, there we go. Yes. Can't, can't go wrong with that one. Not at all. Not at all. All right, Allison, let's see. Our last question for you 
is what's something that many people don't know about you? So I have a, a process of how I shop. So I never shop for events. Like if there's a birthday coming up or a wedding or something, I don't shop for events because I've convinced myself that I'm not going to find what I like. So I pre-shop for events. When I have money, I buy things that I absolutely don't need and have no intention to wear so that when an event comes up, I'm ready. You're ready. So what's the last event that you did that for? Where you actually like wore whatever you got? I mean, I'm going to wear it. I don't know. Okay, so I mentioned that I got married amongst COVID and my husband and I, we went to Vegas to get married and I had all the clothes prepared because I shop before the event. So mine is my wedding dress. Everything yeah. else was already hung up in my closet, ready to go. I didn't have to shop. Interesting. Okay, okay. 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 Um, okay. I might have to take it. <laughs> She's like, I got a little tip in the bag now. Yeah. Don't you feel such pressure? Like, you, when you have to go oh, through, like, yeah. oh, it's the all white party. You ain't got nothing white. Then you can't find anything when it's time. Like, nah, yeah. shop. Shop when no, you have some smart. extra coins. Yeah. And then that way, and then it still has tags on it. So you're still shopping in the sense of going through your closet as you make your decision. You go. What to wear? I'm just shopping in the closet. I like that. Okay, Allison. Well, we have had so much fun with you today and have learned so much. And so for all of our ladies out there who want to connect with you, where can they find you? You can find me everywhere. I am on my website, alignwithallison.com, A-L-I-G-N with Allison.com. Same thing on my Instagram at Align with Allison, on my Twitter at Align with Allison, on my Facebook at Align with Allison, and on YouTube. I just started a YouTube channel a few weeks ago at Align with Allison, and I have a weekly program, which is a really cool program. So on YouTube, what I do is every Monday at 12 Eastern, I choose a song from the 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s. That yes. has some kind of toxic messaging and mm. we analyze the lyrics of the song and then talk about why the messaging was toxic. So last week we did Donnell Jones, Where I Want to Be. Oh, that yes. song disgusts me. Oh, I hate that song. It's terrible. You know what's funny? I've heard of people doing that, Allison, and I feel like a lot of songs that we listen to and you sing them and you like them, when you break down the lyrics, you're like, oh, so wait, he was stalking. Oh, wait, so this, so that's okay. That, that sounds good. We may have to show up for that. Next yes. week, tune in, Allison. That's dope. Yep. And then this week, well, I guess yesterday was Jay Z song "Cry." Oh, that's so problematic. Oh, the man God. said that he can't cry, so he has to make the song cry, meaning writing mm-hmm. the lyrics in yeah. an emotional way. That's problematic on its own. Yeah. That he feels that he does not have the capability or cannot express his emotions through tears. Girl, right. YouTube.com <laughs> backslash yes. Align yes. with Allison. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much, Allison. This was amazing. Lady, make sure you go check Allison out and you will not be disappointed. Hey, lady, it's Terry here from the Herspace podcast, and I have some exciting news for you. I just published my self help book, How to Glow Up As You Grow Up, your go to guide for overcoming obstacles and making lemonade. So, if you've ever experienced loss, childhood trauma, a narcissistic partner, or depression, this book is just for you. If you visit glowupbook.com, again, that's glowupbook.com, you can order your copy today 
and you will surely be inspired. So I hope that you decide to join me on this journey and I'll see you soon. Thanks for joining us today in Her Space. Please note that our show may contain conversations about self-help, advice, self-empowerment, and mental health, but it is by no means meant to be a substitute for an ongoing formal relationship with a trained mental health provider. If you or someone you know is in need of mental health care, please visit the Therapy for Black Girls directory, Psychology Today, or contact your insurance provider. If you liked what you heard and want to keep the conversation going, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at HerSpacePodcast, or check out our website at HerSpacePodcast.com. And before we meet again, repeat after me. Although my plans may change, I will stay committed to my purpose. We'll see you next week, lady.